Hi, welcome back, listeners. We are so thankful for the opportunity to share Black stories through Invo's podcast. My name is Lanisha Allen. I am the CEO and founder of Invo. And tonight, we will be discussing the intersections of Black love and the impacts of mental health on interpersonal relationships. I'm excited to introduce two beautiful Black queens whose life purpose is grounded in providing support to Black communities, people, and youth. Daphne Evans is a mother, fiance, and educator who specializes in program-based learning and social learning for adolescents. Lisa Saunders is a mental health professional who is currently in her second year in the clinical psychology doctoral program at William James College, and she specializes in couples and family therapy. Simone will be co-hosting with me tonight and adding her knowledge and experiences on Black love and coupling. We are really like thrilled to talk about uh, this topic and to jump right in with you. So let's get started. So Lisa, please introduce yourself to the audience. Sure. So my name is Lisa Saunders. Um, I was born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts. I received my master's degree from William James College in clinical mental health counseling with an emphasis on couples and family in global mental health. I'm currently in my second year in the clinical doctoral program, also at WJC. One of my main kind of goals is to, you know, I really um, aim to decrease racial disparities and provide um, support to clients, um, colleagues uh, of color. So for the past 10 years, I've worked in a nonprofit agency that offers intensive emergency support to families affected by homelessness, substance use disorder, displacement, um, trauma, and any really um, mental health idioms. So I, through the actual, actually through the uh, Global Mental Health Program, um, I actually had the opportunity to travel to Haiti and conduct a series of mental health literacy workshops for adolescents, young adults, and teachers. And I also traveled to Kenya and collaborated with uh, the Kenyan international NGOs to facilitate community dialogue and organization around education um, and healthcare issues. So I still intend to, to continue to work globally and serve as an agent of change for social, social justice. Um, and also uh, in, in kind of combination of working globally, I will still continue to um, do my passion, which is working historically with marginalized, marginalized populations. Wow, so you have years of experience and it sounds like you're coming to us as an expert, Lisa. Thank you so much. Uh, Daphne, welcome. Please introduce yourself to the audience as well. Yes. Hi, guys. Um, so my name is Daphne Evans. I am a mother to a beautiful daughter and a soon to be wife to my amazing fiance. I'm an educator. I've dedicated my life to educating and mentoring young children since I was 14 years old. I am now 28 years young. I specialize in program based learning and social, social emotional learning. My dream is to create a nonprofit organization that solely caters to any city youth allowing them access to like educational resources, emotional support and like just a safe space they can come to. I'm an inner city kid and I know what that feels like to have lack of. So this journey for me is very personal. Um, fulfilling this goal allows me to create a small glimpse of equity in a very corrupt and inequitable educational system we have up against us for a very long time that solely affects only our black and brown families. 
Wow, thank you, Daphne. So it sounds like your life journey is solely around social justice work and activism. Thank you so much for being in these communities, especially in Boston, we need you. So I think my first question I'm gonna to pose to you, Daphne, what is your definition of black love? Um, yeah, black love to me is a bond that is shared between two black and brown people. It's not just a romantic relationship, it's a bondage of our culture, but most importantly, our history. Um, black love has faced so many adversities and standards of norm. Um, that certain things that black, there's certain things that our love prevails that others doesn't. That doesn't make anybody else's love less special. It just means that our love has so many layers to it, making it more special. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. You're talking about all the different components of black coupling, and you know, thinking about the intergenerational components of what it means for us to be together. And so, Lisa, I, I have the same question for you. Um, how would you define black love? Oh, black love is just is 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 kind of something unique. It's something that you you want like you know I, I strive for. It's it's an amazing thing when you have it. It's it's passionate, it's pure, you know, it's strong. Um, it's a shared relationship between two people to to get to know each other and reach a, a common goal. It's kind of like a, a beautiful symphony that you want to listen to daily. Um, it, is, it is this bond that is unbreakable and amazing to have it once you have it. In this kind of Black love, you, have, you share a culture and you have a history um, of you know, our backgrounds that, that you can't really share anyone, with anyone else. Mm, it sounds like that shared connectedness through um, ex shared experiences of having marginalized experiences, you know, that racial and ethnic representation of Black love is extremely important and something um, that you just touched on. And so with that being in mind, I guess I'm just wondering if you could create a definition of Black love based on your own specific love, what would it be? Mm, that's a good question. I think for me, my definition of Black love based on my own love story is kind of a, a long-standing love, you know, founded in friendship, growth, and this, this kind of unwavering support for one another. We trust each other. We honor each other. I honor my husband just as well as he honors me. And we validate each other. And I think that's something that makes my black love so special we we kind of like constantly remind each other like why we fell in love right like why 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 have we we've been together for 12 years um and i think that our our special our love is so special because of the communication that we have for each other and the overall respect that we have for each other mm. so it sounds like just constantly staying connected and consistent in the way in which you two are loving each other as well as what you do you two have done throughout your friendship and your partnership exactly yeah so daphne can you share about representation of black dating coupling marriages or any other form of relationship throughout your lifespan yes yeah, so growing up uh, my mom and my dad were not married uh he was always in the household so they were like co-parenting so i seen what that looked like um the love was there my father, after him and my mother broke up, was always continuously there for me in my life. So I always had a positive male figure role model for me. But later on, my mother married 
and I got to see what that looked like. You know, that relationship had its highs and it had its lows, just like in every relationship. But um, it was a stepping stone for teaching me what marriage is and what it looks like and what it takes. But my real um, representation came from my fiance's mother and his dad. I've seen what that looks like for years, solid relationship. So yeah, that was some of the representation that I had growing up. Mm, and it sounds like you were able to navigate expectations based off of you, both of your parents' relationships, but also his, right? So it sounds like you had a really balanced middle ground of this is what it looks like when people are co-parenting, and this is what it looks like when people are married and in a happy and healthy relationship. So I'm thinking more so now of, do you think that there's been a, a shift or anything that you've noticed of the value of marriage in the black community? Like, have you noticed that there are more couples in the black community that are willing to get married or not? Yeah. So, um, I'm on Instagram, right? And I'm seeing the black, 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 excuse me, black bachelorette, black brides, black love. Like I'm seeing all these representations of black love. And I'm like, wow, like everybody's getting married. I don't know if it's because I'm almost reaching 30 and like, that's the, I'm doing air quotes right now. That's the expectation for people that put, people put on themselves like, oh, I need to be married before I'm 30, which isn't realistic. Everybody's different. But, you know, that goes back to our ancestors and the elderly. They, they were married at like 18, 17. And now it's like everybody's waiting. So it's just completely different. And um, yeah, it's just, it's different. The times are way different now. Yeah, and it sounds like, and I and thank you for that, because what you said was really important. Like you said, I'm on Instagram, I'm on social media, and I see a lot of Black-on-Black -black love. And that historically has not been something that our communities have had the opportunity to be engaged in. And so to be able to see that representation um, is, I think, extremely helpful for our communities. Do you have anything that you would say really stuck out for you in finding and being consistent in black love? Uh, just so with black love, like the, your partner is somebody that has to like with their black get you right. Somebody that you can make connections with on things that you couldn't make connections with anybody from any other background. So like that's super important to me having that those morals and those cultural aspects that bond us together through black love, having those layers is super important because we come from times where we had hate, confinement, pain, and struggle. And we're, we're still in these times, right? But we still are able to hold our heads high and create these Black, beautiful, and educated families, despite how the history is, was written. So, you know, we still are rising, and that makes our love so special. Thank you. It, it does. And that's what makes you so special, is that you have the ability to, you know, cap capitalize on all of these really important pieces of the Black experience and the Black love and the Black community. Like having that insight, I think is key in, in the upward mobilities of our communities and that in elevating them and really, you know, motivating them to stay together. Um, so I appreciate your response. It was extremely thoughtful. Um, Lisa, can you share your opinion of what it means to hold the title of someone's wife? Sure, I think that holding the title of someone's wife is a privilege. Um, and I think that holding the title of being someone's husband is a privilege. It really works both ways. 
Um, and I think for me, in my personal relationship, I think that there is this kind of high connection and, and this spiritual bond between my husband and I um, that that makes it that makes it work, you know, for us. Um, it makes it special for us. I think that being someone's wife, um, you really have to be open and and honest, and you have to be willing to be vulnerable. Um, and be stand kind of strong in your relationship and be confident that your relationship can withstand conflict because that happens. That happens a lot. Um, I think for me personally, um, although I knew how to be a wife from watching my mom for years um, and understanding her respect that she has for my dad and her perspectives on marriage, and you know, both of my parents are pastors, so having that kind of view as well um i think that for me i had to separate the things that i was willing to do as a girlfriend um a fiance and a wife and that really helped put things in perspective for me um like who do you want to be as a girlfriend who do you want to be as a fiance and who do you want to be a wife as a wife how does a girlfriend separate from the wife so that was really important for me to do and i think when we talk about expectations i yeah i mean i had so many unrealistic expectations in my relationship because I thought so seriously um, and, 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 you know, thought about this. I saw my parents for years. This is how Black love is. This is how we have to be. And there really wasn't any room, any wiggle room. And that just wasn't fair for my husband. And that really wasn't his style um, of learning how to, at first learning how to be a boyfriend. You know, it, so it, it was kind of this idea that hey i just met you and you need to meet you need to check off all of my 25 list of things that are not even realistic <laughs> without you even getting to know me as a person getting to know my likes and my dislikes so you know it was really hard on him you know mm -hmm. Lanisha, but we stayed we stayed firm it's been 12 years it's good it's good now but i think that we do that as you know as wives or as you know people in relationships um sometimes we have these higher expectations for our significant other without even talking to them about it they don't even know about it mm -hmm. um and then you know the expectation they don't meet the expectation and then there's a problem. So right. for me personally, it, it has, it has been um, initially in the beginning, it has been a struggle because I really tr like didn't have the words to say what I was expecting. I just was expecting this. And then mm -hmm. once I was able to have the words, things became more realistic. And I was very easily shut down by my husband saying, no, we're, <laughs> that's not who I am. And that's right. So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I think the whole concept of having unrealistic expectations is a huge thing in relationships. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I also, something that came to mind when you were talking about those real, re those unrealistic expectations is this component of when you don't, when you don't have representation of black and brown love or coupling, you're really going into it with your expectations very skewed, very wide, because you're you're trying to figure out well what works for me in my black relationship, you know what's accessible, what feels good, what feels safe for us, and so some those are some of the things that I had thought about as you were saying that, and I'm just wondering how did you confront some of those um, expectations or some of those barriers in your relationship. So in order, I just want to kind of go off what you said. I think that is such a good point, um, Lanisha, that you just made and so pivotal because 
going into it's it goes both ways like it's kind of the two opposites going into a relationship really narrow-minded and saying this is what I want and I'm not willing to move and then the other one is like I don't really know what I want but I'm gonna figure out in the opposite side of I don't really know what I want is kind of like looking for anything to grasp on so that's media that's tv that's like you know rappers or whatever that we're looking like this is a great relationship so I want my relationship to look like that so both really do have significant challenges. Um, as far as me confronting it, I mean, it was tough. It was, <laughs> it was <laughs> tough. It was tough because, again, I went into this, like, not even talking about it. I just had in my head, like, this is what it's going to be. And this is how you have to deal with it. And if you don't do it, then you know, we're just not going to work. And that's a really hard message to send to someone that you really care about. But I, I, I really started to understand, like, I really need to communicate these things with my husband and see if this matches his values. Just because it's my dad's values doesn't mean it's, doesn't mean it's his. And some of them, some of them weren't like, he wasn't a pastor at, like, he's, he's not a pastor. So, and my dad was, so some of those things were just not realistic for him to follow. But I, I appreciate, one thing that I appreciate is when I commit, communicated these wild, unexpected, you know, these unrealistic expectations, he, he took the time to listen to me and tell me no for some of them, but he took the time to listen to me and for us to actually really talk through it because that was the only way he's gonna, he would understand where I'm coming from and I can understand where he's coming from. He didn't come from any mm. family with representation. It's really, you know, he was, he has a, you know, single mom. Um, so that all of my really silly ideas didn't apply to him. It really didn't like, all right. So one of them were, we need to go to church every week. Really? Like that's something that's near and dear to me. That wasn't something that's <laughs> mm -hmm. near and dear to him. And he was like, well, you're going to be going by yourself. And I can promise you that. <laughs> Right. Okay. And that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think you're, you're spot on. I see our co-host here who is shaking her head, Simone Matthews, and she seems like she is in alignment and in agreement. Simone, do you want to add anything onto this? Yeah. I mean, I think with relationships, you all do. I'm, first of all, Lisa came in here and she spoke it up. She honestly gave her all into this conversation about expectations. Because I know in my relationship, I definitely came in um, with a lot of different things, as well as expectations um, specifically towards like wanting him to know the ins and outs about me without me actually verbalizing it, if that makes sense. So, like, I wanted him to actually understand why I act this way or. I do certain things or really just understand my trauma uh, without me having to go into it in depthly. And I think as a black woman carrying so much stuff, because you know, we can't swear on the air like this, but, but carrying so much stuff prior to relationships um, and carrying it into this relationship, the expectation of of wanting to be understood was definitely there and not having the means or, or, or the communication skills to actually speak about it and say like, oh, this is why I act this way or this is, this is what's really on my mind. So it was really like me retraining myself about how to communicate with my, my partner and, and, and kind of come to a mutual grounds of like, yeah, I'm carrying some heavy stuff, but that is not your responsibility. Um, but this is, this is what it is. This is who I am. And I really want to work with you and work with myself about how we can 
grow together because right now like I have this expectation that you you're just going to get it and you're not getting it <laughs> so if we're not if we're not meeting this common mm -hmm. ground then we definitely struggling right now um, absolutely yeah Simone, that was a perfect response. I, I really appreciate your feedback. And there was something that you brought up about trauma, right? And, and when we meet our partners where sometimes some of us can experience trauma bonding. And so what trauma bonding means is essentially we're making a bond that occurs due to a cycle of, a, a, a cycle of abuse or different components of, um, you know, harmful things that have happened over our life experiences and going through the emotional roller coaster of being a victim of abuse. Sometimes when we meet people who have those shared connected similarities, we, we latch on. And something that happens in the black communities is that we experience a lot of racial trauma, a lot of complex trauma that really sets the tone for how we're making our relationships. So we're coming in and we're living triggered lifestyles and now we're triggering our partners and we're coming in with all these expectations um i see daphne is also shaking her head and and, and saying that she's in agreement. daphne do you have anything you'd like to share yeah so um personally speaking i came into my relationship with a lot of trauma um my my brother was struggling from substance abuse so like when i when i come home he's in turmoil the house is in chaos and I'm dealing with that trauma and that stress and I'm bringing it into my relationship because I'm putting expectations on my partner to have to deal with that trauma. So it's just a lot. Um, Simone and Lisa said it very well. And yeah. Yeah. You, and, you, and I love the fact that you gave us an example, right? You're coming in, you're talking about how family, the intersections of family conflict or problems can really impact your relationships, especially because that's your brother. That's a man, right? It's another black man. And so now you're thinking, you know, what are my expectations when I'm, when I'm dating a black man? Is this is what it's going to be like? And can I deal with it? If I'm dealing with it from my brother, am I going to deal with it with my partner? And so some examples of trauma bonding versus authentic love is a trauma bond can sound like I need you. I'm addicted to you, you know, versus an authentic love can be it sounds more like I see you, I hear you, I want to compromise, something that Lisa was sharing. You know, another trauma bond could be something like, you know, the highs and the lows, and um, really dealing with a lot of nervous system activation as a connection versus in an authentic love, you have a mutual trust, it's predictable, the words align with their actions, it's a lot of safety. And so sometimes we're not thinking about the emotionally phobic um, components of trauma bonding. And we're not thinking about why we need that emotionally vulnerable space of open communication and an authentic love because of the lack of representation. It goes back to that representation. Um, so I'm going to move on, but I, you know, I'm going to move on. I'm going to ask Daphne very specifically. Um, Thinking about Black love, did your partner have to be Black? So, it's the Black skin for me. <laughs> but, um, right, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, it was very important for my partner to look like me. Uh, growing up, I wasn't aware of how, like, evil the world was. Mm. So, um, I had to gain those experiences and, and form my own opinions about stuff. And now as an adult, like, I have these certain values and morals and cultural aspects that I want to instill in my family in the future. So for me, I can only create that with a black man that shares similar history and cultural experiences like me. Mm, 
again, back to that, that sh shared marginalized experience, right? It's something about racial and ethnic representation that makes us feel safe. Thank you, Daphne. Lisa, you know, I'm wondering, how does culture in history have anything to do with who you've married? So I, I definitely didn't set out to marry someone from a different culture um, than, than mine. It just it kind, kind of worked out that way and stuck for 12 years. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's just kind of been something um, that's, that, that kind of just, just happened, you know? I think it was important for us to bond um, on a level that we, you know, on a Black level, you know, regardless of the culture, we're both Black and we can understand that and have that kind of connection. Um, I think it was me, actually, like, I had to be the one to, to kind of um, understand and open myself up to, to be willing to understand my husband's culture and some of the stuff that, you know, the gender roles, raising children, finances, and all that stuff. But um, that's something that we had to kind of talk about early on, right? Like if this is somebody that I'm going to be with and I'm gonna see myself with, we, and we both wanna have children someday, like how are we raising those children? Are those children going to be raised? Depending on your culture, our culture, like how is that you know, going to be? There, there really had to be a clear understanding of what to expect if I marry my husband. I like I don't have any time for surprises. I don't want to have a kid and then it's like, psych, he has to dress this way or he has to do that. Like that that doesn't work for me. Right. Um, so we I think for my husband, he's um he's Haitian American. Um he he doesn't um and it's not to say that he doesn't value his um Haitian culture because he most certainly does. He just has more of more American views. So raising children, you know, finances, all that stuff is pretty similar. I think for us, the biggest difference is our lack of gender roles um, in our relationship. We don't, there's not like, you're a man, you do this. You're a woman, you do that. It's kind of more of a, I like to call it a partnership. Um, it's a partnership with an understanding that I need you and you need me in whatever way I need to show up in our, you know, life and in our marriage, then that's what I need to do. So I think that his history um, with having to show up so much for the women in his family really helped me in a way. And then my, my history with knowing how to hold him and knowing how to support him when he didn't really understand how to be a boyfriend because he never saw that or fiance um, helped me be more patient um, with kind of allowing allowing some space and allowing mm -hmm. some space for mm -hmm. mistakes not not that not that many but <laughs> <laughs> no but that's powerful that's powerful <laughs> because i think sometimes um when we think about that patient piece like having patience i i, I speak with many millenni millennials right now and i have a lot of friends um who talk about you know how long do i wait how patient is too patient, you know, and, and really helping people figure out what works for them when it comes to their black love. And I think it goes, again, we keep talking about representation and how the lack of representation can be harmful for the long-term success of our black communities and the upward mobility for black families. Simone, is there anything that you'd like to add? I honestly think that's spot on. I do want to highlight um, how Lisa did so nicely of talking about cultures within the Black culture. And I think sometimes we want to group Black people all into one category, but it's always nice to think of us as individuals also coming from different backgrounds as well. Um, and just that that coupling within the Black 
community is so beautiful to watch as well because like oh look at my man's Haitian but I'm I'm another form of black and we're still making it work um and we're making it work beautifully and that's that's incredible to hear yeah it is and I'm, I'm really happy for all of you um so this next question is going to go to Daphne can you share your thoughts about the importance of individual growth and self-reflection prior to committing to a long-term relationship yes um so for me, uh, individual growth was definitely a major aspect of my relationship. I knew my partner since we were 16 years old. He was like 17 um, and I'm now 28 years old. So that's a very long time, right? So in the existence of this relationship, you go to college, you get a job, you literally become an adult all within the same relationship and you really learn a lot about yourself. Some of the things I learned about myself, I was come to realize that I did not like and um, I had to have the courage to change those things. So, you know, coming from my relationship, going to college, I came home and I was like super depressed. I wasn't diagnosed with like any clinical depression or anything like that, but I knew that I was depressed. Like I couldn't, cause I couldn't finish school. My father had just passed away from cancer and I was just like in a really dark space. Like, and I tried to stay in my relationship through all this trauma I was experiencing and you know, I found myself neglecting my relationship and through my depression, I looked like me going out, drinking, partying, like just doing stuff that wasn't helpful to the embetterment of myself. Um, I had to realize that I needed to choose myself in my relationship. And it was a selfish move, but I know that if I didn't choose myself, I would have destroyed this beautiful man that I have with me now. And um, so, yeah, I had to take that space. And I had to love myself better so that I could love him the way that he deserved to be loved because I knew I wasn't holding up my end of the relationship. So yeah, I had to take that space. So personal growth is so important to me. And it, it's why it's why we here. We made it. We made it. And we're here now together. Right. Yep. It's, it's the love for me. It's the personal growth yes. for me. <laughs> Daphne, and I, and I agree with you 100%. And there was something very salient that you said, which was, you know, it, it felt selfish at the time, but true love is taking the time to work on you for the betterment of your relationship, right? Because when past traumas come around, they damage our current relationships. And so to me, I hear that as a deeper form of love, but you loving your partner so much where you said, I'm gonna take space because I, I have to get it right. And I'm committed to making us work. So no matter what, I'm gonna make sure I work on me so I can come back to you in a more healthy um, and emotionally and mentally stable place. I appreciate you being vulnerable and sharing some of that experience. Um, and I actually am thinking, is there anything that Lisa or Simone would like to add about that piece? I would love to add on and say thank you for staff for sharing your story about that because I, I've seen it also in many other couples the need to take a break, especially for younger couples that get together and later spend their, their eternity together. Um, it's not uncommon to hear them taking a break and doing a lot of self-reflection, doing a lot of self-work. And in that, we may call it selfish and it is what it is, but that's a huge form of love. And I don't see... I don't see us talking about it enough about the black love and, and and within ourself, if that makes sense, right? So we talked a lot about black love and black coupling and um, and finding a partner. And even we talked briefly about like friendships, right? But there's this whole component about loving ourselves as individuals, loving ourselves as black people. Um, and I found for me as an individual using the I statement, right? So um, for me, I felt like 
in my relationship, when I was able to love on myself, I was able to love on my partner even even more. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just want to close out and saying there's like so much research associated to um, the theory around social identity theory um, within the Black community. So once we identify our own identity as Black people, once we love on that, once we have this cherishing um, understanding of who we are as individuals, as Black people, we then have higher and greater amounts of self-esteem, greater mastery, and fewer depressive symptoms. And that's what I've heard Daphne describe, right? When she was able to love herself, she was able to come back into a relationship less depressed and more ready to do the work on the relationship. Um, And so, yeah, let's do that. Let's do more of that. Thank you, Simone. Um, I really appreciate your feedback. It made me think about um, some more concrete ways to assess if past trauma is being triggered in current relationships and how to start processing that trauma. So thinking about if you've suffered from betrayal, um, you may find yourself in a panic when you're out of contact with your partner or out of touch with them. It might feel like you are being neglected or abandoned. Um, Sometimes we also have like your past can feel controlling or uh, domineering and you're more likely to become triggered when a partner tells you what to do or how to feel or how to act i mean there's been plenty of times i've dated someone Mm -hmm. and i have felt like they have invalidated my feelings or they have told me that what i'm feeling is not right and i'm being triggered and and, and it actually amplifies the argument so when you're thinking about things that are kind of sitting with you and how you've suffered emotional abuse in the past it would it would not be unusual for conflicts in a new relationship to trigger an overreaction and so a lot of times we're not talking about what it means to live a triggered life but if you suffer from physical or sexual abuse in in any kind of previous experience, you may be more susceptible to having negative emotions triggered by physical closeness or or being touched. And that's another thing that we can talk about in later podcasts is like, you know, sexuality and exploring those components after experiencing any kind of sexual trauma. A lot of these things are coming up and a lot of times we're not talking about them. Essentially, we're getting together and we're trauma bonding um, and we're not really talking about the impact of it on our mental and emotional health. So with that being said, Lisa, I'm just, I just have a question for you. What are some ways mental illness can impact intimate or interpersonal relationships? I think, I think um, Daphne did such an amazing job with talking about um, kind of setting, setting, you know, setting you up for, for this question. It was really powerful. So I think that research and kind of practical experience tells us that, you know, mental illness can cause a person to have a decreased quality of life, um, decreased productivity, employment, and even, as you mentioned, Lanisha, even having kind of that, that physical impairment where you're, you're not kind of able to, to perform or do anything sexually because you're thinking about something. I also think it's important to note that no two relationships are the exact same, right? So it's important to kind of take into context your unique relationship. So you'll be, kind, you'll be able to, to identify where someone, you know, may need a, additional guidance. But I think with, with mental illness, um, you know, people may feel ashamed, you know, embarrassed, guilt, you know, about their specific condition, or they may even try to, you know, hide 
their symptoms or hide that they need help. Meanwhile, their their partner's like, hey, you know, what's going on? They may feel confused or, or frustrated by their inability to help. You know, a person that, that suffers from an, uh, a mental illness may find it difficult to follow through with, how, you know, like daily tasks, household tasks. They may have limited, you know, emotional availability. Um, they may struggle with, you know, the, the lack of desire to, to kind of socialize. And for their partner, their partner is looking at these behaviors like, what is going on? And that can truly put a strain on their relationship, which may, which may lead to feelings of, you know, disappointment and uh, rejection and, you know, a disconnect. So there, there's, there's a lot, you know, at stake um, for people who are struggling with mental illnesses um, in a relationship and, and how it can impact them so personally. And again, we talked about the physical intimacy part and not being able to perform or having that lower desire um, sexually. And again, that, that can lead to the partner not thinking, you know, hey, maybe I'm not attractive or, you know, this, this my partner doesn't wanna, mm -hmm. and, you know, touch me or, or look at me or what's going on. And then it, the, the risk of kind of the, the as you mentioned, um, Lanisha, the codependency behaviors. So when, you, when we start to talk about this, and when I say codependency, I mean, um, code, so codependency is, is kind of, um, in, this, in, in this term, is an unhealthy uh, like relationship or patterns that can kind of manifest as, you know, one partner enabling the other, you know, the other's kind of poor health. So this can look like addiction. It can look like, you know, uh, different time, kinds of coping. So the partner may kind of walk away feeling like, you know, now I have to save this person. Now I have to kind of be there mm -hmm. to, to nurture this person. And, and there's no other way. There's nobody else that can do it. So there's, there's creating so much, so many more barriers in this relationship than it, than it has to be. So it's, it's a lot and I, I can go on and on and on, on about it, but I think that just naturally um, our, you know, our, our bodies and our, our brains crave, you know, closeness um, mm -hmm. to people and, and things. And it's important that if that is you or if that is someone else, um, whoever's listening, then you want to kind of get that help or assistance, the assistance that you need so that it doesn't spill over into your relationship. And if it does, that's okay too. There will be an understanding of what that, what your partner can do to kind of really help you along the way. Thank you, Lisa. I, I'm just resonating with it because you, you just literally hit on, on all components of how it can impact your relationship, the shame, the guilt, the resentment, the intimacy problems, the risk of codependency. It's like you hit on all of it and it was wonderful. And I can say that I've experienced some of those things on both parts. You know, I've been the person that have struggled with it. And I've also been the person who has been on the other side of the spectrum with my partner, right? And so some helpful tips that I'm thinking about that I took and that I'm hearing that Daphne really highlighted was first what she did, she took a step back. She educated herself. She sought help. She committed to providing excellent self-care for herself and to really seek professional support or natural supports. She had realistic expectations of, you know, what to expect when she was 
well again and when she felt like she was ready to be in a relationship so you know you're in a relationship you have to make sure that both partners are equally holding space for one another and not violating each other's boundaries and so i think that all of you did a wonderful job at sharing those experiences and talking about how it can impact our relationships simone is there anything you'd like to add I would just like to add um, a great gratitude and thanks for having them two on um, and because they both expressed greatly a form of vulnerability of expressing their stories um, and I, I was just happy to be a part of this. I'm happy you are a part of this and I'm happy that these beautiful, brilliant, bold and bright women um, was with us on this journey. And as I'm closing, I'm thinking specifically about um, what makes your love work, Daphne? Like what, it sounds like you are 10 toes down no matter what, unshakable. And I just want our audience to hear what for you makes your love work. Yes, I'm definitely 10 toes down to the ground. <laughs> Uh, that's my ride or die partner. But and my love, um, I would definitely say number one, communication, can, uh, excuse me, communication, but equilibrium helps my love work. My partner is realistic, patient and direct. And sometimes I can be definitely unrealistic and patient and I can tiptoe around what I want and what I need from my partner. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so this balance is much needed. And that is definitely what helps my love work. Like what I lack, he can make up for and what he lacks, I can make up for. Mm, and I and I appreciate that. And I'm wondering, also, like for me, I mean, you're engaged, you have a lot of wonderful things heading your way. And so I'm just wondering, what is some advice you would give to some of us? Uh, communication, like I said, definitely number one, like just first being friends, being in love, and being able to openly say anything you need to say to your partner and hoping that they will take that information in and be like, you know what? All right. I understand you. I see you. I feel you. I hear you. Words of affirmation. Um, but also being that in return. So, you know, it's a partnership. You guys both got to put the work in and doing the work, like just do the work. It ain't easy and it takes a lot, but that's what relationships and marriage and all that is about. Like you've got to do the work. Yes. Thank you. Lisa, do you have anything to add? Daphne was correct. You have to do the work, man. It is not easy. It's not for the faint-hearted. I mean, it's just if you if you want it, I think that you you know strive for it. You respect yourself in the process as well. Everybody's relationship is completely different. So um, measuring you know someone's relationship to yours is never a healthy thing. Um, people always say like, oh my god you know, you and, you know, my husband, you know, you guys are so great. You guys are so happy. I'm like, oh, that's so nice. You should have seen this year too, girl. When I was, you know, really, really about to knock him out. Like you should have definitely seen this year five. Like you just never really know. You really can't compare. And I think that hurts a lot of us when we're like, well, you see, you see, uh, you know, Kenzie and Sarah, like he, he looks like he respects her. Meanwhile, we don't know what is going on in their relationship. So respecting yourself in the process, be kind to yourself. Um, listen to your partner, man. I, you learn so much from your partner if you just sit and listen um, and kind of put your pride down and, and really actively listen to what they're communicating to you. Um, so I think it's, it's, again, it's no one size fits all. It's something that we have to be open to. We have to be vulnerable. Um, and I appreciate 
Simone and um, Daphne really being open and, and saying, if you need to separate, separate, because for me, that's a power move. I don't see that as a weakness. I don't see that as, you know, something, there's no, excuse me, there's no rule saying that we have to be together. And I, and I agree. I agree with you, Lisa. Um, it's actually like needed. It's necessary to spend time with ourselves, to ground ourselves, to find peace um, in places in which we're once turmoil in order to make our relationships work. Um, and so, you know, as we're wrapping up, is there any last thoughts that anybody would like to share? Yes. I'm going to leave y'all with the lyrics from one of my favorite artists, J. Cole. Love yours. <laughs> That's my favorite artist. I don't know what she's saying, but anyways. <laughs> I love it. I'll share with you, Dad. <laughs> yes. I, I really appreciate having you all here um, tonight to share your experiences and your perspectives of your Black love and your journeys towards it. Um, thank you so much for being here and I'm looking forward to hearing more from you all in the future. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you. We needed this. The community needs this. Thank you so much to all of you for sharing your knowledge and stories on Black love and the importance of healthy partnerships within the Black community. Simone and I are truly privileged for an opportunity to share space with you both, as you mentioned, intimate parts of your lives with such depth and vulnerability. I'm looking forward to continuing this discussion in the future, especially after we check in with our Black men on Invo's third podcast coming out soon. Invo's third podcast episode will include a panel of Black men who will discuss the challenges of being Black men during such a challenging time with racial injustice and mental health stigmas. I am looking forward to seeing you all then. Be well. Take care.